I just want to say welcome to our frontline family and visitors throughout all our campuses today. It's good to be with each and every one of you on this Resurrection Sunday. Church, you know what today represents, right? He's risen. The grave is empty. Our Savior Jesus Christ has defeated death. And because of that, you and I have an eternal hope. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Just wait for the music. I'm going to ask you to play that now. I want to read a part of a message from a preacher called S.M. Lockridge. He speaks about Resurrection Sunday, and I think it will inspire you this morning. This is what he says. You can cue the music now. On Friday, the Pharisees were conspiring against him. The crowd was vilifying him. Pilate washed his hands of him, but they didn't know Sunday was coming. On Friday... The disciples dispersed like lost sheep. Mary was crying. Peter was denying. But Sunday was coming. On Friday, the Roman soldiers beat my Jesus. They tore his flesh to pieces. They crowned him with thorns. But they didn't know that Sunday is coming. On Friday, Jesus is walking to Calvary. His blood is dripping. His body is stumbling. But you see, it's only Friday and Sunday is coming. On Friday, the world is winning. People are sinning and evil is grinning. The soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They nail my Savior's feet to the cross and they raise him up next to criminals. It's a dark, dark Friday. But let me tell you something, church. Sunday is coming. On Friday, the disciples are questioning. The Pharisees are celebrating. But Sunday is coming. On Friday, my Jesus is hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his, by his father and left alone. And all the world's wrath is poured out on him. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king heals his spirit. On Friday, all hope is lost. Death is won. Sin is a conquering and Satan is just laughing. Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. They thought it was the end of my Jesus, but let me tell you something it's only Friday and Sunday is coming. Let's just give the Lord a great shout of praise in this place, church. Death could not hold him, the veil tore before him. He is risen and he is alive. That's my Jesus. If you believe in a risen Savior this morning, would you just shout Amen? Woo! Amen. We honor you, Lord Jesus, in this place. You may take your seats this morning. <laughs> That's powerful, right? Church, today is Resurrection Sunday, and before we get into the Word, I heard a story once about a man who went on vacation um, to Israel with his wife and his very difficult and nagging mother-in-law. And while they were there, they, sadly, the mother-in-law passed away. So the man was trying to figure out what to do with the body and, and where to bury her. So he went to a local undertaker and asked about it, and the undertaker said, 
well, sir, it'll cost you, roughly if I do the conversion rate, it'll cost you about 25,000 rand to ship her back to South Africa. But you can actually bury her right here in the Holy Land for about 2,500 rand. So the man thought about it for a few moments and said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and ship her back home. And the undertaker looked at him and said, sir, did you hear what I just said? You could bury her here for 2,500 rand. Why would you want to ship her back home for 25,000 rand? And the man replied and said, well, a long time ago, a man was buried here and three days later he rose from the grave. I just cannot take that chance. I'm going to ship her back home. <laughs> no offense to our mothers-in-law in the house this morning, especially mine, especially mine. <laughs> you know, church, you just can't ignore the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It changed the course of human history. It changed the course of most of our lives as well. And because Jesus died and rose again, you and I have an eternal hope. Empty grave equals eternal hope. Now the adverse is true, right? If he had never risen from the dead, we would have no hope. We would not be gathering in churches all over the world today. Our faith would be of no point if Jesus did not conquer the grave. But even though on Friday, all the doubters and mockers were screaming and shouting and saying, where's the so-called Jesus of yours now? Why doesn't he just save himself from the cross if he is the Savior? Sunday was just around the corner, and he rose just as he said he would. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 24, and let's read the account of the resurrection from Dr. Luke. Have you got your place? Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces toward the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Church, just as Jesus said, he rose on the third day. And because he did, we don't have to put our hope in the things of this world. We don't have to put our hope in things that fade away. We get to put our hope in him because he has overcome this world. There's something about hope, isn't there? You know, church, it has been said that men and women can live for about 40 days without food, about three days without water, Approximately eight minutes without air, but not one second without hope. I'm talking about really living. So let me ask you on this Easter Sunday of 2021, have you lost your hope? Has something happened to you recently that has caused you to be kind of like a, 
a rudderless ship without any real hope or purpose in life? Maybe you've come here today and you're discouraged. Maybe your life has not gone the way that you hoped it would go. You thought you would be married by now, but you're still single. Or you're hoping that your marriage would be strong, but in fact it's unraveling, and for some of you it may even be falling apart. You were hoping your business would succeed, but it just went belly up. You were hoping and dreaming that your ministry dreams would take off, but, but it hasn't yet. Perhaps you've lost a loved one, and they were sitting with you last Easter, and they're not with you here today. And because of that, there's a huge hole in your life. Maybe it's an unexpected illness. You've had great health for, for so many years. You would be the person that would always say, I'm as fit as a fiddle. But all of a sudden, your health is falling apart. And I wanted to say to you today, church, that you've, you might have come here today without hope. But I want to say that you've come to the right place. Because we're going to see the words of the hope giver. We're going to see the words of Jesus to discourage disciples that had lost their hope. Specifically, two disciples on the road to Emmaus. These disciples had witnessed the crucifixion. They were burned out. And in their estimation, Jesus had somehow failed in his mission. He had failed according to them. Because they held the view that when the Messiah came, he was going to establish his kingdom and rule and reign as king of kings and as lord of lords. Which in their case meant the overthrow of Rome who had occupied Israel at the time. And though it is true that the scripture says that the Messiah will come again and rule and reign, they failed to see that the Messiah would first come and suffer and die. So when Jesus, their friend, Jesus, their hero, Jesus, the Messiah and the Lord was suddenly arrested on false charges and beaten and murdered in cold blood before their eyes, it seemed to them that something had gone horrifically wrong. It was like the train had been derailed and these guys were so discouraged and, and so downhearted and so hopeless that they got out of town and left Jerusalem. They wanted to put as much distance between themselves and the cross as possible. But as they were on their way to Emmaus, a stranger joined them. They didn't know who it was, but as it turned out, it was Jesus Christ himself. So let's read what happened here in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. That same day, Two of Jesus' followers walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. These two disciples were having a very deep discussion, and so Jesus asked them in verse 17, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, he probably looked at Jesus a bit sarcastically, and he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard 
about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Notice what they said. We had hoped, as in past tense. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Church, these two disciples, who we only know the name of one of them, Cleopas, they were not frontline disciples. We're not reading about Peter, James, and John here. And isn't it interesting that Jesus appeared to these two guys? I mean, isn't it interesting to note who Jesus made his post-resurrection appearances to? He didn't make his post-resurrection appearances to what we would consider to be the most important people. I mean, if I were Christ and I rose, the first person I would have appeared to would have been Caesar in Rome who thought he was a god. And I would have said, hey, Caesar, you think you're a god. Guess what? From now on, all they're going to remember you for is a salad. <laughs> but I will change human history. He could have said that, right? Or he could have appeared to Pilate. And he could have said to Pilate, do you remember me? You know, Pilate, that saying that says you can't keep a good man down. Well, guess what, Pilate? You can't keep the God man down. But no, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. And now here he is appearing to these two men. Which church is a wonderful reminder to us that Jesus always goes out of his way to reach out to ordinary people. Are there some ordinary people in the house this morning? Jesus went out of his way to reach out to ordinary and obscure people that were often forgotten by others. And we have this interesting detail here in verse 15 where Jesus is traveling incognito and they don't know that it was him. They didn't know that they were walking with the Savior of this world. And you know, church, when I thought about this, sometimes we don't realize that either. We have this way of life coming at us from all angles. It knocks us about like a punching bag, and we forget that our Jesus is right by our side. Do you know he's with us all the time, right? He's with us on those sunny days, and he's with us on those cloudy days. He's with us on the mountaintops, and he's with us in the valleys. He's with us in those fiery furnace, furnaces of our lives, just as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Listen, church, Jesus is here with you. 
If you are a Christian, He will never abandon you. He will never leave you alone. In fact, Scripture promises that he'll, us that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But the problem with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus was that they were going in the wrong direction. They should have stayed in Jerusalem with the other disciples, with the other believers, just as Jesus told them to. But instead, they wanted to put as much distance between themselves and the cross as possible. And church, listen to me this morning. When you're downhearted, when you're discouraged, and especially when you're living in a life of sin, the last thing that you want to do is run from God. You should run to God in those moments. As your pastor and your friend this morning, I urge you to go to God with your troubles. Go to God with your questions. Go to Him with your pain. Even go to Him with your complaints. Because you see, the devil wants you heading in the opposite direction to the cross. He says that you're not worthy to approach God. He says that you're a hypocrite because of this thing you did last week or that thing you did a couple of years ago. And the sad thing is that sometimes, if not many times, we listen to him. We agree. And we actually tell ourselves that we are not worthy of God's best. I want to tell you this morning. Stop it. He's a liar. The devil's objective is always to keep you from the cross the Holy Spirit's objective is always to bring you to it. There's a story about a little boy many, many years ago in northern England. He went for a walk one day and he got lost. And so a policeman was walking by and found him. It was quite dark. He found him in the dark crying. And the officer asked the little boy, where do you stay? And he says, sir, I don't know where I stay. He says, you don't know your address, son? He says, no, I don't. And so the officer started listing restaurants and, and shops and hotels and parks, but the boy didn't recognize any of them. And then the officer looked toward town, and there was a church there that had a, a large steeple with a cross that was lit up. And he said, son, do you live anywhere near that? And the little boy, seeing the cross, his face lit up. He said, yes, lead me to the cross I can find my way home from there. And church, that's what we need to do. We need to go to the cross and we'll find our way home. We'll find our way home from there. Yes, the devil wants to, to keep you from the cross and his influence may be strong at times, but the closer that you move towards the cross, the closer that you move towards Jesus, the weaker and the weaker the enemy becomes. And you see, it's like this, church. When we move closer to the cross, and when we move closer to Jesus, we move into a realm where we realize that our debts have been paid for. But the further we move away from it, it's like amnesia sets in and we start to believe the lies of the enemy. The enemy will want you to hold on to your debt because he can hold you in your guilt and your shame and the sins of your past life. But the risen Christ says, I have set you free. And whom I've set free is free indeed. He says, I didn't die on the cross so that you could carry all that stuff around with you. Let it go. You are better than that. Church, if you're lost, make your way to the cross. Cleopas and the other disciple whose name isn't mentioned, 
had separated themselves from the cross. They had separated themselves from other believers and the result was that they were discouraged and down. But did you know that Jesus didn't give up on them? He joins them in the conversation and asks them what it is that they are so concerned about. Why the long faces? He's trying to draw it out of them and they respond and said, you must be the only person basically in the world that hasn't heard about all the things that have taken place over the past few days. Where have you been? Don't you know how serious this is? We thought he was the Messiah and, and now we don't know. And even though Jesus had reminded his followers again and again that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified and on the third day rise again, and they had heard reports that day that the grave was empty, they still doubted. And look, church, if we had been in their shoes, if we'd been in their sandals, we might have done the same thing. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't listen to what God says in his word. We worry when we should pray. We panic when we should trust. We turn away when we should cling. Sometimes we live like the grave is still full. And it's like I said earlier, the further and further we move away from the cross and the revelation of who Jesus is, the more we start forgetting who we are in him, the more we start believing in the lies of the enemy and our hope is destroyed. So what did Jesus do to rekindle and restore these disciples' hope? What did he do to rekindle their hearts? He took them to the scripture. He took them back to the truth. He opened God's word to them and explained it to them. Let's see what happened from verse 25. Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them to the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Jesus revealed the scriptures to these disciples. I wonder if he said, hey guys, remember Psalm chapter 22, where the psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. That was speaking of the crucifixion, you guys. Maybe he took them to Isaiah chapter 53 and said, do you remember that passage where in Isaiah it says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter? And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. And he was wounded for your transgressions. That's Jesus, you guys. It's all pointed to Jesus, all of it. And by now, they still don't know that it's him, but they know this much. This guy sure knows his Bible. We like this guy. And church, as they found and as they listened, their heart was being rekindled. And you know, church, that is, there, that is where we will find our hope being rekindled. When we come back to the truth. When we come back to the revelation of who Jesus is. When we come back to the truth, hope is always restored. And we continually need to be reminded of the actual position of our salvation. 
Because sometimes we forget, right? It's amazing how far you can walk down a road like the road to Emmaus, a road of despair when you've forgotten what is true about your life and what it means to have an eternal hope because of the risen Christ. So if I'm talking to you this morning, if you have a habit of wandering down a road of hopelessness, get into the truth of the word and remind yourself every day about the fact that you are a walking miracle and that you have been set free from bondage and lies and hopelessness. You've even been set free from death. And you know when the enemy says that you're not worthy, you're not worthy to be saved, you're useless, you're going to die anyway, you stare at him in the faith and you tell him, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? My life has been delivered from sin, I belong to Jesus and I have an eternal hope. Amen? The last passage of scripture I want to read you this morning as we start to wrap up the story is from verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? It's a beautiful passage of scripture, this. So here's Jesus waiting to be invited into their home. He acts as if he's going on. He's, he doesn't force his way in. But they insist. And when the symbolic breaking of the bread happens, something breaks in their hearts, their eyes are opened, and they recognize him. But they first had to invite him in, right? And it reminds me of the scripture that says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will have supper with him. I like the way the Amplified Bible puts it. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. When it says I will come in and eat with him, it means I will come in and restore you and I will refresh you with my graces and your gifts. Frontline Church, I want to tell you this morning that the risen Lord Jesus Christ wants to restore you. He wants to restore your hope. And he wants you to live a resurrected life. He's just waiting for you to invite him in. He wants to come into your heart and break that hard heart so that your eyes can be opened to the revelation of who he is. And church, as I close my message on this Easter Sunday, I want to invite you to invite the Savior of this world into your life right now. Wherever you find yourself. Whether you've been a believer for your whole life or today's the first time that you say yes to him. He's knocking on the door of your heart because he wants to come in and he wants to restore your hope and he wants to restore your belief. He wants to refresh your joy 
and your peace. And you know what? He wants you to live a resurrected life because he didn't die for anything less. So this morning, if you've headed down a road of hopelessness and you're heading in the opposite direction to the cross, we're going to pray for a restoration and a coming back to the truth. It may be a dark, dark Friday in your life right now. But remember, because of Jesus, Sunday is coming. And we're going to pray together for that shortly. Yes, you can give the Lord a shout of praise right there. And today, if you're here and you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, but you know that he's knocking on the door of your heart, I want to encourage you to open that door today and invite him in. He wants to come in and give you a brand new life. He wants to give you an eternal hope that no one in this world will ever be able to take away from you. He died and rose again so that we don't get to stay dead. If you want that assurance this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond shortly. Church, let's stand and pray together. Maybe I could ask Jared to just get ready for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today on this most awesome day and declare that you have risen from the grave. We declare that you are alive. And because of that unfailing truth, we ask today that for those of us that have headed down a road of hopelessness, and perhaps even a road of darkness, that you would come right now with your Holy Spirit and empower us to come back to the truth of who we are and the truth of who you are, Lord. Lord, we repent for allowing the things of this world to have led us away from the cross. And we ask today that you would illuminate the cross in our hearts so that even in our darkest hours, we can always find a way home. Let us never forget the significance of what this Easter weekend represents and may the revelation of what you've accomplished impact us so deeply that we would become Christians that operate in resurrection power by your spirit and advance your kingdom mission in this world. Fill us today to overflowing so that rivers of living water would flow out of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. With everyone's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, but you know that He's speaking to you this morning throughout all our campuses, you know that He's knocking on the door of your heart, invite Him in this morning. If you want to say yes today, I just want to ask you to shoot your hand up right now, if that's you. Just lift your hands towards heaven right now through all our campuses this morning. Say yes to Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there anyone else this morning? I want to thank you for, for raising that hand. Jesus saw each and every one of those hands. And I'm going to ask you now, 
And I'm going to ask the entire congregation as well, in unison and out loud, to pray a prayer that Jesus said he'll back up. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me, comes to the Father, but through me. And if you pray this prayer, he'll do what he said. So let's lift our hands towards heaven and, and say these words after me. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you died on the cross. I believe the blood you shed was precious blood. And it cleanses my sins. Then I ask for forgiveness of my sins today. I believe that on the third day, you did it. You came out of the grave. And because you came out, I can come out of death into eternal life and eternal hope. I receive a new life. I receive a new beginning. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit to become a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God and I am free. From this day forward, I am your property, Lord Jesus. My life belongs to you. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a great shout of praise, church?